You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. And rising, everybody. Welcome, welcome to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I have missed y'all so much. I'm going to give, of course, a huge shout out to the Converge Media team for holding it down in my absence. And I'm only here for a couple of days and then back on the road. So it's been a lot of travel for me. But I just want to send a huge shout out to everybody on this team who makes it happen with or without anybody. The show goes on and I'm so grateful to everyone for stepping in and interviewing guests and being there. And of course, for me, giving y'all inspiration to see yourself as a part of the solution. Of course, it's the top of the show. So it's a great, great time for y'all to tag and share the stream. Please tag and share the stream with folks you feel could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. If you can't watch us, you can also listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network and The Day with Trey. Y'all find us on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it. We're on all the platforms, over 200 of them. So I'm sure whichever one is your favorite, you guys can find us there. And I'm excited because today we have a great show. Of course, it's Wednesday. So that means I get to check in with my guy, Brian Callanan, at the top of the show here. We're going to be talking about all things Seattle news, views, and brews what you guys can expect tonight and what's going down at city hall. And then later on in the show, I'm really excited because Alan H green is in the building. He is here from Griswold's Broadway vacation right happening right now. You guys got to check this show out. It's running until Sunday. So I'm, I'm so excited that I get to talk to him about this amazing show. Um, but, you know, me and Brian, we got a lot to dive into. So I get to bring him on right now. What's good, Brian? How are you? I'm good. I'm, I've got a daily dose of dopeness, but it sounds like you need a daily dose of Dayquil. Is there a little <laughs> congestion going on there? Yeah, you doing okay? Congestion, um, but I'm okay. Like, take that's take care of yourself, thing. Trey. That's Absolutely. what I'm saying. You know, I think between travel, oh, yeah. I've just been like, okay, let me, you know, let me. <laughs> <laughs> chill but yeah. you're absolutely right yeah. just yeah. a little bit but i'm good Thanks okay for checking good in. good good yeah we've got a great show going on tonight for seattle news views and brews it's on tonight at seven o'clock right here on converge and i'm with my co-host david croman talking about a lot of stuff and i'm sure a lot of people tuned into it yesterday the mayor actually put out his budget proposal for the year it's a big deal mainly because the amount of spending that's going into the police department the seattle times highlighted this we highlight, highlighted this on our show because it was something that was going on well, we actually put out our podcast even before the mayor put out his budget announcement there, but I think everybody knew what was going on. One, there was going to be a bigger investment in police, and two, they were going to be using some of the jumpstart dollars that were coming in to fill up this pretty big hole in the budget there of about $140 million. So I thought that that piece involved with the police department especially was interesting, and this idea of the parking enforcement officers that got moved out of the department, now he's talking about moving them back in. And 
I think that's a, that's a nod to a few different things, certainly to the police unions who have been concerned about that and wanted to bring those officers back in, those parking enforcement officers. But also, I think it's a bit of a rebuke to what the city council was starting to do last year, trying to dismantle some of the structure of the Seattle Police Department. Now, the mayor did say this could be a temporary thing. I know that Councilmember Lisa Herbold, who chairs the Public Safety Committee, is, is talking about that, the possibility of, again, splitting off this group again so they can actually establish this third, uh, if you want to call it that, uh, third agency there that can deal with uh, different emergencies that are of lower acuity there. So I think there's a lot of concern over this trade, this idea of changing the police department. It looks like they're changing it back, at least in some ways. And I know there's a lot of concern within the community. I just wanted to open it up at that point because I know it's a it's a huge issue. I mean, anything when it comes to, you know, policing, you know, changing things, these reforms, it's one of those things, Brian, where it's kind of a double edged sword here. Mm. You know, we're talking about seeing a lot of progress and then seeing a lot of uh, pushback, yeah. you know, right. And this is to some people may look like a pushback a yeah. little bit, right. Where it's like, why are we doing this mm. when what we need to do is bold change? Yeah. That's what, you know, so many people were getting out in the streets saying that that's what they wanted to see yeah. was bold changes. But it also means that we have to trust in, you know, allowing those changes to take shape, yeah. to take form. Yeah. Right now, we're not really doing that because yeah. unfortunately, there's a lot of, hey, we need to kind of go back. There's a lot of regress a little bit yeah. here when some folks are like, you know what? This is what we pushed for. This yeah. is what we were in the streets fighting for. Yeah. And now we're seeing these, you know, kind of like, hey, let's go back to the way things were. That that doesn't make a lot of folks feel comfortable. Right? I, I, I think you're right. And I think this whole idea, I don't want to I don't want to be untrue about this. This whole idea of rolling out the parking enforcement officers and setting them within the confines of the Seattle DOT, that didn't work well. That rollout was not great. But I don't think a lot of those officers were on board. I saw the quote in the Seattle Times today where one of their leadership was like, yeah, we never really wanted to do that anyway. So it's like, okay. So there needs to be some extra buy-in there too. I think what is happening though concurrently though, Trey, is very interesting. You have a term sheet as they're calling it, basically a memorandum of understanding between the city council and the mayor. And they have said this, we are going to have some sort of third emergency department, if you want to call it that, by the beginning of next year, they're going to pilot some sort of program. So they're working on what that would look like. And the very interesting part of it is the Seattle Police Department actually earlier this week had this risk management demand analysis, which is a long and kind of crazy phrase. But it talks about, OK, when these 911 calls come in, what are the ones that we can push off to officers, uh, excuse me, push off to people who are not armed officers? What are ones that we can send to social workers? What can we do with these 911 calls? Because with the police's own studies, they showed that more than half of those calls did not need an armed officer yeah. there. So I think this is a process that, as you say, you're not going to get all the uh, the different progress that people have been pushing for for so many years immediately. I think it is a little bit of a roller coaster here. There is a lot of back and forth. But I do see that one piece there of establishing that alternate 911 response system. That is crucial here. And there is finally some agreement between the city council and the mayor about how to do that. The mayor did put some dollars towards that, not a ton, but some. So you have to hope that the commitment between the mayor and the city council is going to come through. So there's a plan for that at the end of this year and then actually a pilot at the start of next year. Well, there's two things I really want to say about this, Brian. I mean, I think it's interesting to hear that, OK, well, we really didn't want that anyway. So it didn't really work mm. in order for things to work. 
it does take buy-in from both sides, right? So whether it's the police department and the Department of Transportation, they have to be prepared to receive the parking officers, right? Right. Parking enforcement. They have to be prepared for that on the receiving end. They also have to be prepared to let it go on the police force end, right? So for, for me, in order for anything new to work, it number one is going to take a lot of buy-in from mm-hmm. from both sides of whatever the entities are, right? Yeah. Uh, as we think about merging and creating this kind of third level mm-hmm. of you know enforcement, so to speak, mm-hmm. that is not armed but yeah. goes in for more of these kind of social welfare yeah. mm-hmm. calls, right? That's going to take a lot of buy-in as well. Yeah. So it's going to mean that we have to have people that are willing to see it work, mm-hmm. but that are also willing to allow it to have the time to work. Mm-hmm. And that for me is nothing really works automatically. No. Like the first, the, the first iteration of something oftentimes is the test subject yeah. of that thing. Yeah. You got to give it time and space to like grow and settle, yeah. which didn't really happen with parking enforcement in the Department of Transportation. And unfortunately, it will we'll see the similar results if we don't have that level of grace, yeah. that kind of grace period to say, okay, let's learn as things are not working instead of going, oh, oh wait, yeah. this doesn't work. Got to go back to the, right. you know, what we had before. Yeah. So that's really interesting because I think we we as a city, we have to be mindful of that grace period. And I think a lot of people that were on the, in the streets, I go back to the protesters sure. a lot because of course. this is what they fought for. I think a lot of folks understood, hey, this is there's going to be some level or period of time where this is kind of uncomfortable mm-hmm. because we're not sure what it looks like. Yeah. And we have to you know figure it out and kind of hammer it out. But over time, just like everything else, yeah. over time we'll get there. Yeah. And I, I think this was a big message from the mayor that this whole concept of defunding the police, he wants to steer clear of that, doesn't want that to be part of the narrative here. My concern about this, and I talked about this with David, okay, you want to steer clear of that narrative, but the goals of people who were protesting in the streets in 2020, those still need to be there. And that means reimagining what police are all about, what public safety is all about. So I want to make sure that that stays part of the conversation. It's certainly something that I'm going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And as I say, as they work out these alternate 911 responses, I think we're going to see a little bit more headway towards that. The police department, at least from its standpoint right now, is saying, okay, how about if we have an officer go with these social workers, do kind of a co-response type of a thing. So we'll see how this plays out. But I think this is really a conversation that's still going. It's something that the council is going to be working with over the next several weeks here, but expect something really close to uh, November here, Thanksgiving time, when the council actually finally wraps up its uh, budget considerations. Well, it's good to hear this. And I did see, you know, the mayor's budget. I saw, you know, the proposed budget, what's going on, what's going down. I mean, this is something that I think all of us need to be mindful of, Mm -hmm. particularly those in Seattle, but also because Seattle kind of models how other cities move. I think it's important even for other cities and, and, you know, folks in other cities to really kind of be mindful of how this budget is shaping up. What else you guys have going on tonight? We're talking about a number of different things, including that situation last week that was going down in the Chinatown ID, there was a protest that was actually happening where a number of people from that neighborhood came to the city council meeting and said, hey, wait a minute, you're talking about expanding, or the county is at least, the county is talking about expanding 
a homeless shelter that is there in the North Soto neighborhood. Now, there's been an encampment there for a long time, an unauthorized encampment. And what the county is trying to do is say, okay, we're going to expand. We're going to have some beds. We're going to have some services. We're going to have a lot of uh, basically walk-in treatment available for people who are in that area. The people who are in the neighborhood who are not homeless are saying, wait a minute, we weren't consulted enough about this. The county will push back and say, we had meetings in May. We had meetings in June. And so I think there's going to be still an attempt for more outreach on the county's part to talk about that with neighbors in that area. But I think that is a plan that's going to go forward. And this is sort of the wrestling match back and forth here, Trey, is, all right, you want people to have get off the streets or whatever else? Everybody wants that, right? Well, guess what? There has to be a facility somewhere for that to happen. And nobody necessarily wants that in the backyard. But in terms of where these neighbors actually are who are homeless, they're asked, the idea is to be as close to them as possible so you can get that outreach going. And that's really difficult. I mean, why are there not uh, homeless outreach centers in Magnolia? Why are there not more of them in Queen Anne, let's say? This is just a challenge, I think, that the county is dealing with. But this is really, uh, I think, the beginning of it uh, with Chinatown because they have felt a little uh, dumped upon, if you will, with a service like this. They would certainly point to what was happening with light rail and what, how that would disrupt their neighborhood. So this is a neighborhood that's really trying to push back in some different ways. With this most recent protest, they actually have Spog, the police officers guild on their side. They're speaking out in favor of what the Chinatown ID protesters are saying. And also the King County Republicans are jumping in on the mix. So we'll see what happens here. It's getting a little political for sure. But at the end of the day, I think it's this whole argument over. And this is all sides, no matter what political color you are. You want people off the streets. How are we actually going to do it? Here's a plan that the county's come up with and has talked with some people in this Chinatown ID neighborhood. Apparently not enough, but they have talked with some people and they're trying to push this forward. So a very interesting and delicate balance going on there, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, almost any issue when it comes to our unhoused population, you know, has this level of delicacy with it. Yeah. Right. Uh, again, you know, you're talking about. uh a lot of data shows the best way to engage with this area of our population, this demographic, is to meet them where they are. Yeah. It is. So it, it, to some degree, you really have to go where they are yeah. in order to provide these services yeah. and in order to really figure out, okay, how do we you know, bring resources to these folks that are unhoused? in a way that is going to eventually allow them to find housing, shelter, yep. you know, uh, get the treatment that they need, mm -hmm. you know, transitional housing, whether it's, you know, uh, food resources, you know, job resources, yeah. workforce development, all of these things are a part of this kind of wraparound approach. We've been talking about the need for the wraparound approach right. for a long time, but a lot of this means you have to go where they are. Yeah. And so, you know, you don't want it to fall on any one neighborhood. No. But unfortunately, there's already, you know, a collection of unhoused folks in certain neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, we're right here in Pioneer Square. Plenty we see it, it every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to a certain degree, you can't you can't deny that no. they're there already. No. No, so you can't. this is really this is really delicate. And I don't yeah. like that it's taking on, you know, of course things get political Always. and politicized. Yeah. That right there is where we start to see lines drawn, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really unnecessary. At the end of the day, how are these folks getting the resources they need? That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a continuing uh, 
argument or discussion about this, if you will, just to dovetail slightly onto this, King County is also working on a measure where they would increase the amount of behavioral or actually build some behavioral health centers around the area. They're talking about building five of them, talking about starting up a property tax measure with a vote on the ballot in April of next year. I'm very interested to learn more about this because again, this is gonna be a facility where it'll be a walk-in type of situation offering behavioral and mental health I know there's a lot of neighborhoods that would welcome that, but there's a lot of neighborhoods that would not. So mm -hmm. I think there's more discussions about this. I wanted to make sure I tagged on with that ballot measure because it's pretty important too. Oh man, you guys are always diving into Trying. some great topics mm -hmm. on Seattle News, Views and Brews. Look yep. right there, Brian. Let the folks know how they can find you. Yeah, check it out. Seven o'clock tonight on Converge, Seattle News, Views and Brews, your coffee break political podcast. And with my co-host, David Croman. And if you want to hit me up on Twitter, do it. At Callanan Seattle is a great way to get in touch with me. Thanks, Trey. Amazing, Brian. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Yeah, back at you. And Thanks. send my love to David. I'll do that. We'll I'll have do to that. get him on one day. All right, get healthy, Trey. <laughs> Hang in there. Yep. I got you. Yep. All right. Thanks so much, y'all, for listening to Brian. It's always a good time to talk to him because I'm telling you, the topics that they are diving into on Seattle News, Views, and Brews are going to be, you know, beneficial to all of you to know about what's going on and to hear from them. But also, you know, reach out to Brian. Let him know about some of the ways that you feel about the topics that they're covering on Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Well, up next, I got Alan H. Green in the building. He's going to be telling me all things about Griswold's Broadway vacation. Stay tuned after this short break, y'all. You're watching The Day with Trey. It's been three years since we've been able to celebrate in person at our annual Evening of Choice. And this year at Access and Pioneer Square on October 19th at 6 p.m., we will be back together again, celebrating our journey, healing towards justice. This past couple of years have been incredibly difficult for our young people and our community at large. And one thing that has become clear and absolutely true is there's one way forward that brings all of us together, and that's as we heal. And when our young people heal, they're truly able to become who it is they've been purposed to be. So on this evening, you'll hear stories of our young people, hear the evolution of our organization as we emphasize healing in our cause. And together, we will celebrate another year of impact and growth as we journey towards justice together. Again, it's at Access and Pioneer Square, 6 p.m. on October 19th, and live streaming will be available through YouTube at I Choose Winning. Basically, fam, believe in giving. Like, we have to be willing to give more, and people seem to always think giving means money, but nah, bro. It's like you can give time, you can give understanding, you can give access, you can give a listening ear and an open heart. You can give and share your God-given gifts and talents, but you just got to give. So, oh, oh, look, oh, that was it. Okay, look, we're already over here talking. Look, DQ, oh my gosh, no. Welcome back, everybody, to the day with Trey. All good, I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And joining me right now is Alan H. Green from Griswold's Broadway Vacation right now on Fifth Avenue Theater. Thank you for coming, Alan. Thank you for having me. Having a good time here in Seattle, for sure. Yeah, you were just telling me you didn't experience no rain until today. Look, look been look, here for I some weeks. I told people in New York I was coming to Seattle. They said, bring all the umbrellas. So I was ready. <laughs> I've been here for about five or six weeks. Today is the first day I've seen a drop of rain. 
So I've been out on the Sound. I went to Bainbridge Island, up in the Space Needle, you know, just on a boat, on a ferry, just the whole thing. Look, experiencing all the brilliance that Seattle has to give. Well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're enjoying your time here. And, you know, uh, I was just saying this as y'all were catching me here, uh, that, you know, Rachel is always so gracious to make sure guests come by here, the Black Media Matter Studios, to tell us about the shows going on. And I got to say that, you know, for me, uh, I'm like, I love a good show. So this is one show in the whole lineup that I'm missing. I can't believe it. So you got to tell me all about it. What is, uh, we know that, you know, this is about, you know, the, the, the Griswolds. We right. have, you know, known them and the, gotten to love them uh, in film. Tell us a bit about how the adaptation to the play is working for you in right. this particular production. So for whatever reason, in my little my little Broadway career, I've done a lot of uh, musicals that are based on movies. So this is the first one where they've taken the property that we all know, the Griswolds, Clark and Owen Griswold, right? But the story is original. Uh-huh. So this is not a retelling of one of their movies. This is an original story with characters that we already know and love. So the movies are like Vacation, there was European Vacation, there was Christmas Vacation, and there was Vegas Vacation. And it's really kind of shocking that they didn't make it to New York. But (laughs) in this version, it's a Broadway New York vacation, the Griswold Broadway vacation. So um, the family comes to New York, the Big Apple, and of course, just calamity and lampooning happens all over the place. So they come to to Times Square and we have this whole section of Times Square characters that are like one off of the Times Square characters. So like we got, we got Blackish Panther, right? Oh, right. <laughs> or the Explorer, you know, this whole thing. And so I play a character based on uh, the naked cowboy, the dude that is in his white, whitey tidies with the guitar, right? So he's the naked cowboy. I'm playing the naked commando. Oh, wow. So I start out in military fatigue and then it gets ripped off of me and I'm on stage in a camo speedo, okay? <laughs> and people pay $5 to take a picture with me and all of the different um, characters. And then it turns out that Ellen Griswold was the girl that got away. We went to high school together. Mm -hmm. So I spend the whole show trying to get her to go out on that fifth date with me. Oh, my God. She's up in New York City with her husband, who, of course, is running around. He got tickets to the hot show that is in our story. It's called Wilson. But then turns out his tickets are fake. So he's spending their whole vacation trying to get legit tickets because his wife is like really excited to be there to see the show to even potentially like help uh, rekindle their marriage and their relationship. Mm -hmm. Like he's trying to do something for her. And then he's got, you know, he lost his job, but he didn't tell his family. And I'm out here, you know, oiled up in a camo speedo trying to get this girl to go on a date with me <laughs> oh my god no 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 okay the minute you mention the griswolds right i mean i think okay it's gonna be some type of shenanigans That's i think right. everybody does because we know this family to be the ones that showcase all of the different things that could go wrong That's on right. any vacation right? right and throughout the movies we really got accustomed to that right it's a full-on comedy and that was my thing was how do you embrace that and all the weirdness that we see in the movies on stage how do you feel that the audience is you know responding to the amazing show you guys are doing yeah people are loving it 
people are just cracking up. You know, I've been a part of several shows that have made it to Broadway, and this is a pre-Broadway production. So the idea is that, you know, in some months or in a year from now, the show will be on Broadway, but you see it here first in Seattle at the Fifth Avenue, um, which is used to um, developing new Broadway shows. Yeah. I, think, I think this is like the 30th new Broadway show that they've done, or pre-Broadway. And it's been interesting when you do a show, the different shifts and changes and cuts. I mean, sometimes shows will completely change. And one of the uh, significant ways that they changed the show, initially the idea of the show was, all right, you know, all right, Griswolds, you're in New York and New York is going to, you know, mess you up, right? But then they changed the concept to like, no, 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 New York, here comes the Griswolds. Yeah. In New York, you think you've seen everything, but you you haven't because now you got to deal with the Griswolds. And so, of course, just like the movies and in the same spirit and the same lampoony kind of spirit, the Griswolds just come and just wreak havoc all over New York City. And it's hysterical. The kids love it. The old folks love it, you know, and it's about family. Yeah. You know, and one of the things coming out of this pandemic, we spent all this time with our family and now we're kind of back to normal. So did, did we learn anything about that? You know, did we learn the value of sitting on the couch with our mom and our dad and watching a game show? I mean, there's value in that. And we, we were given the opportunity to do that in this pandemic. And so the show is just about a family and realizing that sometimes if you can get get fed by the people that love you, you ultimately get empowered to go out and do whatever it is that you're trying to do better than you could have done it, you know, but you need your people, you need that core. We, we want to, we want to get out and go away. But, but I think the secret is the more fulfilled we are by that core family we have, whether it's chosen or biological, that fills us up to then go out and do the stuff that we're trying to do. Yeah. You know, that is so true. So much of what we experience um, is because there's something that's inherent in us to be connected to other that's humans, right? right? Like there's right. something that's real innate in us. Like that's we right. have to have that connection. So I really love that you bring that up and that it comes up in this particular production because oftentimes, you know, especially now in the technology era, that's people right. think, oh, I can do this. I, you know, individualistic right. like mindset right. is really right. settling in for a lot of folks. So I love that this show is really bringing out that kind of collective nature right. that really, like, you know, we're born with. And reminding us that we're better together. Yeah. And you know, everybody doesn't have the, the ideal family, but our chosen families, the people around us, those people that in our lives that we know love us and care about us and build us up. At the end of the day, we're, we're better when we can come together, yeah. you know? And so that's kind of in a zany, crazy, again, national lampoony kind of way. That's ultimately what the show is talking about. And I think that's why so many of the people that are coming are really connecting to it in an emotional way. Yeah. And then of course, a laugh out loud, completely ridiculous good old clark griswold doing the shenanigans doing the, like yeah. he does you know? doing the shenanigans and then you got me up there with a you know in a camo speedo trying to get this woman to go on a date with me so it's, it's like a whole thing it's a whole thing and already you know I, I i really appreciate what you said because you're right you know fifth avenue theater has this great history of you know kind of shows before broadway pre-broadway right. and really being like hey we're going to be one of those uh you know venues that brings these shows out to the public and it gets people engaged right, right? before it becomes 
becomes like this, oh gosh, this huge thing. But it's like the essence of the show anyway. So you're still getting that beautiful brilliance of any show uh, there at Fifth Avenue Theater. So I'm so glad. I mean, I've got to ask you, because I I love having a great thespian on my couch here. Me, a fellow thespian here. But tell us a bit about what got you into theater. What what made you say, you know, acting Mm -hmm. is going to be one of the ways that I bring out my skill set to the right. world. So my, my story is completely not traditional. I went to Rice University on a football scholarship to be a lawyer. And then I started singing at this mega church. And then I stopped playing football and switched to the music school and got a vocal performance classical degree. And then I got a record deal with a Christian label and I moved to Nashville to pursue that. But then that kind of got a little wonky. So I was like, I don't know about this. And so I ended up taking a cruise ship job that sailed me to New York City. And I did one of my first auditions for theater in New York City. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll age myself. It was for the uh, national tour of Ain't Misbehaving with the Pointer Sisters. <laughs> and they offered me the job at the audition. And so then I thought, oh, maybe this is something I can do. And so I ended up going to a uh, a classical uh, acting conservatory in New York and then moved to New York. And three months later, I was on Broadway and I thought, all right, this is the path that God's unfolded for me. So I'm going to keep myself prepared. And, you know, here we are all these years later um, here in Seattle. You know, know, this is why I love asking that question, because I want people to always watch this show here and find some level of inspiration. And for so many, you know, they, they start on a path, they want to do something. And unfortunately, a lot of folks don't take that leap, right? Right. Of like, let me just go prepare myself for an audition. And I think there's something so special about the world of acting whether it's on screen or off screen, on the stage, whatever, that it doesn't matter what age you are, right? Like they need roles in a wide realm of, of, you know, age ranges and different ethnicities and backgrounds. And so I love hearing that you took this kind of non-traditional route. You know, me, I was like, oh, I I love it and I'm going to do this. And from the age of nine, I was like, I'm going to do some type of TV film or theater, right? But I love hearing this story from you because here you are now representing, uh, you know, on Broadway, off Broadway so well. Alan, thank you so much for being here and for being in the show. Uh, Make sure you look right there. Let folks know how they can come and see you. You got a few days left, right? We're playing through Sunday. Uh, Our final show is uh, Wednesday through Sunday at the Fifth Avenue Theater, your Fifth Avenue Theater. Folks in New York know that if a show starts at Fifth Avenue, that it is legit and it's the deal and it's coming to Broadway soon. But you can see it first right here through the rest of the week Sunday. Oh my goodness. Come see us. Always uh, Griswold's Broadway vacation. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Alan, thank you so much for being here with me on the day with Trey. Appreciate you and all that you're bringing to Fifth Avenue Theater and to my city in Seattle. Thank you. (laughs) Well, what a great show indeed. Of course, I'll be recapping everything right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching the day with Trey. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a great show today. Got to give a huge shout out to my guests, Brian Callanan and, of course, Alan H. Green. You guys, for me, I always want y'all to be inspired to see yourself as a part of the solution. And I'm telling you right now, 
the greatest thing about this and me having this purview right here is that I get to see myself as part of the solution, but I also get to be inspired by everybody who comes on. It is such a beautiful thing to hear all of these amazing stories and, you know, chat in with Brian every week, see what's going on in the city. You know, these are some of the outlets that I have to stay connected to some so much great work that's happening on the ground, but I love it when I get the chance to dive in with a fellow actor or actress who's telling me about the show that they're doing and their story. So of course, I want y'all to be inspired by all the guests that were on today. And of course, uh, you guys, for me, I will be back tomorrow and then I'll be out for a few days. So I just want to say love all of y'all. You know, thank you so much for tuning in. Even when I'm not hosting here, uh, I, I got to send a huge shout out again to all the folks who really make it happen when I'm gone. This is an amazing show and we want to keep it on for y'all. Keep y'all engaged and informed. And of course, keep giving you that amazing inspiration. So for me, until tomorrow at 11 a.m., peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.